I believe in truth, but I'm also a big fan of justice. And welcome to this supplemental reading of 2017's Justice League, directed by Zack Snyder. Uh, as always, my name is John. And my name is Henry. And zero credit supplemental reading for anyone who hasn't been to one of these before. We watch something. We used to say we watched something that was culturally relevant or important or good. Uh, but that has fallen by the wayside in what I like to call the hurricane heist paradox. And now we just watch things and talk about them in their entirety. Uh, and pursuant to that, we do talk about them with full spoilers, assuming you have watched them already. So if you continue listening, you've either seen the thing already uh, or you just don't care. That's right. So this is your last chance to pause the podcast before we get into the nitty gritty of this 2017 roller coaster of emotion that is the two hour long with an 11 hour with <laughs> Two hour long with an 11 minute credit sequence movie that is Justice League. Yes, it is an aggressively two hour long movie, I, I would say. Almost as if somebody, I don't know, at the executive level saw a rough cut of the film and said, cut it to two hours. I feel like one thing that we do tend to do for lesser known movies is we kind of walk through them step by step. This is not necessary for Justice League. Uh, Justice League, no matter what anyone might say of its quality, was widely viewed. Uh, however, it was not widely viewed by me, who was certain, uh, absolutely certain, that my viewing of Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice was in fact Justice League. Uh, and then crushingly, I was informed that that was not the case. Uh, funnily enough, I was watching this film and I was expecting a certain scene to pop up, um, a scene in which the Flash warns Batman about the future. And I realized upon the uh, maybe the midpoint of that film, uh, Justice League, that that scene that I thought was coming up was from Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice. <laughs> I, I think I can say that Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice, a memorable film. Uh, to say the least. Uh, but I actually found myself kind of moving backwards and forwards through time in my mind in a kind of unpleasant way while watching this movie. Uh, because I, for the life of me, even knowing it came out in 2017, cannot place it in the, the, the gradient of DC superhero movies. Like I know Aquaman came later Maybe Wonder Woman came later, too. I know Batman v Superman came first, but I, I kept trying to tell myself or, or remind myself if we had seen these characters before and if we had expectations of them. And I still am pretty lost. So uh, from what I remember, this movie is right in between Wonder Woman and Aquaman. So it came out after Wonder Woman. Yes, which is why uh, Steve Trainer is is mentioned like twice. Okay, that that makes S sense. Steve Trevor, one of the, one of the Steves. Yeah, this <sighs> this. I mean, so normally we kind of talk about some of the directoral things, some of the behind the scenes as a way to get into the movie at the beginning, like at the top of our supplemental readings. But the problem is we've kind of covered that in depth already over the course of months. As the the Snyder cut information just kept getting released in, in interviews, uh, but needless to say, I'll just sum it up real quick. 
Uh, Zack Schneider's name is attached to the film, but he has never seen it. Yeah, he he has never seen it, uh, not once. Uh, and there are there are circumstances that uh, happened during the production of Justice League uh, that that brought him away from it. Uh, and I think as we've covered on the podcast, one Joss Whedon stepped in in the capacity of writing and some editing and also directing parts of it that ended up being reshoots. So I would not consider this to be Zack Snyder's movie. It, absolutely. Um, and, and son, so um, Zack Snyder's wife, Deborah, uh, gave an interview like today about more details about the Snyder cut. And she would say, she claimed that it's about 80% Josh Whedon's reshoots and edits. I mean, I, I want to make it clear that what we're doing right now with the supplemental reading, it's, it's almost like a second painting in a, in a triptych. So the first painting in the triptych is everything we've talked about the Snyder cut and justice league leading up to this moment. Uh, we are in the second painting of the triptych, which is us just digesting justice league in your case digesting it for a second or maybe fifth time i don't know how many times you've seen justice league for me digesting it just as a piece of art uh kind of separated not separated from context but i I think that we can both agree that this viewing of justice league is not the interesting cultural artifact that is the end goal of this which is of course our supplemental reading of the snyder cut the hashtag snyder cut Right. If anything, this is to serve as a baseline of where the movie was. Like, uh, this this is kind. Yeah, this is only for comparison to the final product. Exactly, and like I said, I, I think a lot of people have seen this, so I don't know how much we can go over. But man, what a movie! It, see, okay. This is my second time viewing Justice League. And upon the second view, the first time I was really confused because uh, none of none of that information that we know now is available to the public. And it, what it seemed like, it, it, it seemed like upon first viewing that the movie wasn't done. Um, and, and the second time I watched it, I, I kind of could put my thoughts better together um, watching Justice League, the theatrical cut, is like looking at the skeleton of a person and not having all of the muscle and the tissue that creates like the organs that make that person alive. I think I can totally agree because, as we discussed, Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice, a memorable film, uh, but also the artistic, uh, the artistic endeavors of kind of one I don't know. I don't want to attribute too much to one person, but Batman v Superman is the artistic vision of Zack Snyder. Absolutely, for sure. And and this movie is, with all the context, it's a very odd thing to watch. To me, it it feels a lot like there was a movie here, and I'm so glad we get to do this now. Uh, and you'll see what I mean. But it, there was a movie there that a lot of people lost faith in for multiple reasons. Zack Snyder lost faith in the project from like multiple outside voices, tearing his creative vision apart. The studio lost faith in it. And then eventually it was put in the hands of someone 
who I can finally say by multiple people's accounts sucks. Uh, yes. I, I think that Joss Whedon sucks. He's responsible uh, largely for, for what used to be some of my favorite works of fiction. I think now I've kind of outgrown, uh, but uh, Joss Whedon seems like the kind of person who would have the the kind of hubris to think he can be given hours and hours of footage of someone else's creative vision, and then he can just like make it a good thing. Right. And for a little bit of context, he was just coming off Age of Ultron. Oh, um, oh, oh clap, clap. What a what a tremendous movie Age of Ultron was. He, he had direct, successfully directed the first Avengers film, which people generally to view as, view as a success. But he was coming off the second Avengers movie, Age of Ultron, which was more critically panned than the first one. And uh, in fact, was taken off uh, subsequent Marvel projects. So he was kicked to the Marvel curb and tapped by WB to come uh, salvage this Justice League movie. Classic and, Warner Brothers move, just reaching into the uh, into the dumpster of Marvel Studios. Exactly. So, you know, his pride's probably hurt a little. Um, and so he's given the reins of somebody else's creative vision with hours of footage. And then he decides he needs reshoots because he doesn't want to make or he doesn't know. You know, like you can't see the vision Schneider was trying to put Snyder was trying to put together. Um. And so he orders a large batch of reshoots, which leads to one of the first things that people notice about this movie, um, because Henry Cavill was under contract with the Mission Impossible franchise uh, for his character in, I want to say, Fallout? Yeah, he was in Fallout. If you remember, quick aside, the trailer for Fallout, and I guess the movie too, has the best thing. Henry Cavill cocks his fists before he fights someone like their guns. It's great. It's amazing. It's amazing. Probably the best trailer moment uh, in cinematic history. We're not going to have a lot of opportunities to say this during during our duration, but Henry Cavill is great. Uh, as, a, as a person, as a performer, as Geralt of Rivia, uh, yeah. Henry Cavill is, I am a huge fan. Huge fan, absolutely. Uh, but his character in Mission Impossible Fallout was contractually obligated to have a mustache. Yes, they cannot add a mustache in post, apparently. And um, so he was under contract to have this mustache, so he could not shave it for these reshoots that Josh Josh Whedon ordered leading to a really weird digitally removed mustache face face on Superman that you can see in literally the first scene of the movie. Are there any, are there any times when he doesn't have the weird lip? I believe weird lip hashtag weird lip. I believe there are times during his appearance, his, his revival fight uh, that revival fight, I believe, is kind of untouched. Okay, that uh, that makes sense. Every every time you see his face up close, he's got weird lip going on. Yes, um, but but definitely in the first scene of the movie, which was a complete Joss Whedon ad, um, the scene of an uh, an ADR kid holding a cell phone, presumably. Oh, recording. I hated that. Yes. So questions I, I, questions that were so inane and stupid. 
Did you ever fight a hippo? Yeah. So I I think I I actually like Did You Ever Fight a Hippo, whatever. Um Joss Whedon's writing can go to hell. Uh but I when that happened, I thought it was really cool. I liked the idea of someone interviewing Superman, but I only liked that assuming that what this movie was trying to do was actually and I'm actually going to take some time out here to defend to defend Zack Snyder. Uh his vision for superheroes is actually very interesting uh, and, and very different from what you'll find from like Marvel Studios, because Marvel Studios MO is to humanize superheroes, whereas Zack Snyder creatively wants to do the exact opposite. I liked the idea when I first saw that it was in like portrait mode for a cell phone. I thought that that was going to actually like play up the alienation that superheroes feel from humans. And then it was like total insipid, pointless dialogue that ended with what's your favorite thing about earth. Right. Totally yeah. missing the point. Exactly. Like in, in, in all of Zack Schneider's um, Superman films so far, like absolutely. He, he treats these heroes as gods. He deifies Superman. There's a ton of religious imagery in his films um, kind of overly so, <laughs> which we'll probably see in the in the Snyder cut. Um, but yeah, absolutely. This move by Joss Whedon with this opening salvo of the, the cell phone conversation is to immediately bring Superman down to the, like a humanized level, and, and that continues throughout the film, mostly in dialogue. So, I, I did. There's like hard cuts, and I, I even made a note of this. Uh, and I think it's during Bruce Wayne's first encounter with Arthur. What's Aqu- uh What's what's Aquaman's real name? Arthur Curry. Arthur Curry. Uh, his first meeting with Arthur Curry slash Aquaman. They have their initial meeting, which feels kind of kind of Zack Snyder. I don't know, but then they have this like insert shot of like a comedic back and forth. But then right. these reshots, these reshoots under Joss Whedon, and there's no way of knowing until we actually see the Snyder Cut. But they must have been so expensive because these echo through the movie because Joss Whedon loves himself a callback. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I, I mean, there, there certainly Joss Whedon was given the uh, the executive direction, make it funny, because there are a lot of runners throughout the uh, the movie that you know, and, and Joss Whedon is kind of famous for his runners. Yeah, and for, I don't know, I, I imagined you hear, like, things about the percentage of reshoot, but I didn't pay too much attention to that. And I imagined what I was watching was a recut Zack Snyder movie with some inserts of reshoots. But I, I really feel like what I ended up watching was a Joss Whedon movie, which, yeah. once again, to reiterate... Based on credible accounts, dude sucks. I've been wanting <laughs> to be able to credibly say Joss Whedon sucks for a while. Right. Uh, but he sucks. Well, well, just think about the opening scene with Batman, where Batman stops a robber who literally has a canvas sack full of burgl- burgled items that he's carrying on yes. the rooftop. And, you know, Batman reveals that he's using the robber's fear just to lure in a parademon to investigate it. 
by the end of that scene, the robber has walked over. He's stuck around for one and has walked over to ask questions of Batman. Questions that are very leading, like, what do you mean? An alien from outer space? Are we being invaded? Giving this this ancillary character the 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 lead of the movie like there's an alien invasion and this robber is going to point it out and by the end of that scene batman lets that robber go that so- absolutely is not Zack schneider's batman who fucking kills people in bats versus soups yeah i w- i was actually looking forward to batman racking up a little bit of a body count but i feel like i actually became very mad when you were recounting that, because there's a, there's a, not a callback, but the logic set up in the movie is the parademons sense fear and attack. Right. That is, that comes up exactly twice in the movie. One at the literal beginning and two at the literal ending. And I had no clue what they were talking about when they're like, can you smell that? It's fear. Yeah. And then, I, I, so dumb. Because in all other times, the parademons are following Steppenwolf's charge. Like, when he attacks their mascara for the mother box, like, the parademons are are seemingly following his orders. He literally says, when he converts people to parademons, that they'll love him. Yeah, and, and like, he gives them orders, like, that, and they they follow his command, and... I, I, you know, I'm not going to be, this isn't virtual signaling. I don't think the Amazonians are afraid of the parademons during that fight because they're the bravest people on the planet. Like, and they, they do this, this really wacky chase scene with horses and stuff. I don't know. But the point is they're not afraid during that. So they're obviously responding to Steppenwolf. Yeah. So, so the, the movie doesn't follow the logic that it itself sets up. I, I think that the, I don't know, everything about Steppenwolf and the Parademons, in my estimation, is bad. Uh, noted by the fact that I had the note, uh, is Batman fighting a demon? Yeah. <laughs> uh, comes out of, really, really comes out of nowhere. Well, and so, then like an hour later, they're like, oh, Steppenwolf's invading with Parademons. Uh, right. Jesus right. Christ. No, it, it makes absolutely no sense, the logic of the movie that, Superman dies, so the mother boxes that have been asleep for centuries, eons, uh, reawaken, and they summon just a bunch of random parademons first, and then they summon Steppenwolf? And then they... How does Steppenwolf even get there? Because he just, like, chooses to teleport to the one at, uh, the one that the Amazonians have. So what well, he says a line that's like so many years in exile, I'm finally called back mother. Is it time or something like that? And that's supposed to be all the exposition that we need to understand his motivations until the really big flashback scene that also feels really forced in. Can we talk about Steppenwolf's whole thing? His whole, yeah, please. I don't even know where to start with Steppenwolf. Um, so I, I think that here's what I like about Steppenwolf. I like a character whose whole thing is that he just conquers planets. And I, I feel like, I don't know if this is, I don't know if this is going to be a reshoot thing, but his thing being like, he conquers planets and his retreat was so shameful to him that he went mad. That's right. I think that's pretty that's cool. Pretty cool. Um, but he looks awful. 
<laughs> he doesn't look great. For His sure. design is terrible. Right. His design is terrible, and his face looks like dumb and weirdly innocent. I don't like it. Uh, but things I like about Steppenwolf in that like flashback fight sequence, we see Zeus. Yeah, that's, that's pretty cool. Awesome. That's, pretty that's pretty cool. Awesome. We yeah. see multiple members of the Green Lantern Corps. That's pretty cool. It's pretty cool too. Um, that's all well, I like about Steppenwolf. Steppenwolf looks fucking dumb. So a lot of the dialogue in this movie is just really bad. But um, Steppenwolf has some genuinely really great lines that I noted while I was watching, but I can't seem to find now. But it seemed like like every couple of minutes he just had a really sinister, like just great line. And whoever the actor was just nailed the delivery. I wish I could find an example. Yeah, I, I think there was some some cool Steppenwolf dialogue stuff. Once again, I I can't remember it. Right. Uh, come on, I gotta have quotes in here. I don't know. I thought the whole like "you will love me" thing was cool. Yeah. I mean, I I didn't get why he could breathe underwater for the weird Atlantis sequence, but okay, it lasted thirty seconds. By the way, it took him. Yeah. I mean, of. Atlanteans suck. We know this. So, you know, for the Amazonians, for it to be much more of a big deal, I get. Uh, But man. I can't find any of the this. I know I. There were good ones. I I know I I wrote it down. Uh, Oh, well. He's got some good lines in there, um, but I, that's it. You know, other than a couple of good lines, um, a really interesting sort of backstory where he was here before and all of the, uh, the, you know, the gods, the Amazonians, the Atlanteans and the tribes of men got together to fight him off. That seemed really cool, but also like, where's the historical record of that? <laughs> yeah, I, <laughs> I, I did think it was cool where they were like, hey, we need to light the warning fire, but we've all grown so distant and we haven't had to light that shit for so long that no one will know what it means. I, I yeah. thought that was kind of cool. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty cool. Yeah, I, I mean, DC has some really interesting lore stuff that they seem to want to play with um, in this movie, but, it, you know, they kind of just scratch the surface at it. We, we got one scene with the Amazonians, you get one half of a scene, uh, with the Atlanteans. Um, and then like, uh, I guess Shannon Hurd is there. What's her name? Amber Hurd. One of those two. I, that sounds right. There were, she, she's there just to get Aquaman to go help. But like, how did Aquaman know where to go? There were so many, I, I would, <laughs> I would be interested to see once we actually get the Snyder cut, uh, what the treatment of Aquaman is, because, I don't know, I feel like a pessimist would say that Aquaman kind of being half introduced as a walking through a monsoon, chugging Jack Daniels <laughs> while the White Stripes icky thump plays in the background. Yeah. Some people might say that's a reshoot thing. That actually kind of feels like a Zack Snyder decision. Maybe not the song. Uh, I don't know if the song is what he would have gone with, but I, I actually feel like that might have survived the Snyder cut. Yeah, I, I wrote the Jack Daniels scene. Why? <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, I, I like Uh-oh. that. I like that. Okay. 
Uh, as far as characters go, I like that Aquaman's thing is being like obnoxiously badass. <laughs> he, he's pretty cool. Uh, Aquaman is one of the better things about this movie. And um, his best scene, of course, is when he sits on the, the, the lasso of truth and he just keeps talking and talking yeah. and talking. That's probably his best moment. Everything else is kind of like, okay, all right, Aquaman. I actually kind of like the ones where he's just way too cool because you very rarely get characters where you're like, huh, fuck this guy. Yeah. It's it's surprisingly refreshing. I I don't know. I you're a fan of the Flash, right? I am very much a fan of the Flash, and I could talk about Ezra Miller's portrayal of Barry Allen for a while. What's your question? Uh I would like to make a statement and then hear your reaction. All right. I hated, <laughs> deeply hated Ezra Miller as yeah. Barry Allen because he, okay, here's the thing about Ezra Miller. Ezra Miller has an alien's face. Uh, <laughs> I, I feel, Have you ever seen the movie We Need to Talk About Kevin? No, but he, he plays the kid. He, I, I've talked about this movie a lot lately. Does he play the kid in the movie, Kevin? Yeah, yeah. he is a kid with like weird sociopathic, psychopathic tendencies who does really bad stuff to people by the end of the movie. And Ezra Miller nails it. I think Ezra Miller is a really tremendous actor with like tremendous gifts within a certain narrow band. Um, right. But I feel like he was like... I don't know. I, I was feeling almost like a like a like a Spider Manny Peter Parkery like yeah. latter day Peter Parkery vibe, yeah. but it's also like mixed with Ant Man. He's like Peter Parker, but also dumb. That, that, so here's the thing: like Barry Allen is one of the most respected heroes in DC comic hood. He he is he, he he's been raised to a DD like level as you know the Flash, and so. A lot of people, a lot of flash stories that they do today revolve around a younger speedster and have Barry kind of in the background. Um, but for this movie, you can't have everybody at God level, I guess. So they aged him down like a bunch to the point where he's just a kid. And so he's supposed to be our fresh young eyes th- to like, introduced to the world of these godlike superheroes when he himself is a little bit godlike he's just kind of young um but i don't really like that portrayal i I get why they did it it makes absolute sense because you can't have everybody on the same level and like because they aged him down they made him a little unsure they made him a little nervous maybe they put him on the spectrum that's a conversation you could read into Um, Because he talks about not being able to, like, interact with people because they're too slow or he doesn't get them. But he's supposed to be somewhat smart. He's supposed to be, like, a a police scientist. And he messes with chemicals that get struck by lightning, splash onto him, and give him his powers. So he's not supposed to be a complete idiot. The problem is they kind of mixed up Barry Allen and Wally West's personality wally west is barry allen's uh, nephew who recreates his uncle's experiment and relies heavily on humor uh because he doesn't have the smarts that barry allen has so he the barry allen from the movie is not like he, he's struggling to be both smart 
funny, dumb, intelligent, powerful, helpless. He he's just going back and forth kind of at random. And I really, you know, that's one of the things I really am looking forward to the Snyder cut is how do they balance all that out? Because it doesn't feel completely like a Joss Whedon thing. It feels kind of maybe like Zack Schneider had that plan for him all along, but who's to say? Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd be interested just in so far as how much the dialogue changes, because I feel like they were trying to serve way too many masters with how the Flash just generally interacted with people. I don't know it was it, it it was a bummer. I don't like characters that are written that way. This is the only time I will say this, but something that I feel like the X-Men movies did an okay job of, keep in mind directed by Brian Singer who's a creep and super problematic uh praise on young men. Yes, very bad. Uh I feel like Quicksilver was kind of right in the X-Men movies because he's a dude who can move really fast and knows how to do it. And he's very sure of himself. Yeah. I mean, I feel like if you're going to have super speed, you're not really going to be unsure of yourself because you've got one solution to every problem and it's to go fast. Yeah. It's the easiest personality trait to give a speedster character is of course you're sure of yourself because if you're interacting with normal people, you know, you're faster, smarter and better than they are. Right. Um, I do want to say I really like seeing Billy Crudup as Henry Allen for no other reason other than to give uh, Barry Allen like a, um, uh, I guess, an, an, an earthly tie. But I know 100% Billy Crudup is just there because he was also in Watchmen. Yeah, almost definitely. You have to, <laughs> give, your, you have to give your friends money, Zack Snyder. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, 100% behind that. And I'm glad he survived the movie, <laughs> you yes. know, the, the reshoots. Um, I don't know. I, I can't, I can't litigate all of these characters. Wonder Woman's kind of cool. No matter what I think Wonder Woman's thing just plays. I love that they actually had the lasso of Hestia that made people tell the truth. Yeah, that's pretty great. Um, <laughs> the funny thing is I really like Wonder Woman and, and most of her portrayals, uh, through the, uh, the WBA Gal Gadot does a wonderful job portraying her. It's just now that 1984 has come out, wrestling with the fact that that movie happened <laughs> now with <laughs> Justice League, where she she tells, uh, I forget who she's talking to, but she's like, I lost somebody once. And my hand shoots up like, technically, you lost them twice. <laughs> yeah, Te- I lost technically. <laughs> I lost somebody once and then I got them back in the body of a schlubby engineer. Uh, and then we had a whole thing. I saw him as him and then I probably made him lose his job. Um, anyway, I, I renounced my wish. Yeah. And then so, and by doing so kind of got over his death. So, you know, I lost somebody, but also I'm kind of over it. You need to move on. <laughs> How do you address a character that in the future, and there's no way you could know about it, uh, was in one of the worst superhero movies ever made? Right. I don't know. I don't know how you do that. I'm interested because, you know, uh, Snyder did some of his some reshoots of his own. (laughs) I wonder how many of them address 1984. Uh, what if there's just a scene where Wonder Woman's like, I don't talk about what happened in the years 1983 to 1985. Right. It, it, yeah. One character's treatment in this movie. Um, 
I don't mean to go off on like a fanboy rant, but the Batman portrayed in this movie is just so unlike any other Batman I've seen. Um, because number one, dude does not safeguard his secret identity the fuck at all. An entire Norwegian town knows who he is. Yes. Uh, he, he visits the Flash's, you know, underground lair as Bruce Wayne instead of Batman for some reason. Like, if you're going to try to recruit someone you think has powers, wouldn't you go as your superhero self and not your your human self? And then throw a batarang at them and then they realize you're the Batman? There's a line in the, like the later part of the movie where they fl- they're fl- they get off a private plane to, and like uh, the Flash accidentally says like oh we got to get to the Batcave or something revealing Bruce I- Bruce's identity but then he goes oops I shouldn't say that and it's like is the movie now making fun of the fact that Bruce Wayne has not safeguarded his secret identity the fuck all up to I mean- this point. <laughs> I mean, I'm not the the world's biggest DC Comics guy, but I feel like of all the of all the superheroes whose alter egos like are big deals, it's Bruce Wayne. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I I have a note in here, especially in the portrayal of the character of Bruce Wayne slash Batman. Uh, Bruce Wayne is just a weird petty whiner. Yeah. I think he suffered the most from punch-ups because he's supposed to be kind of the lead of the film. And I think, I feel like they gave him a lot more jokes. Um, they gave him all these like weird funny lines. And so it kind of feels weird when he's talking to Alfred about struggling to lead and unite because it's like, well, if you stop making fucking jokes every two seconds and actually give a direction, maybe you can unite these people. I don't know. I mean, this is something that I feel like, uh, and we've already discussed a little bit, but it's something that this movie does that's the greatest uh, injustice in Justice League. Uh, but the greatest injustice is like the the idea with Batman versus Superman is that it is an alienating, awful thing to have powers and Batman resents that, but he is also becoming similarly alienated, and maybe he always has been. Like the 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 like the key problem in Zack Snyder movies has been like people are pulling away from humanity and losing their place in it. And for Batman to like get knocked down to the ground, be like, yeah, something's uh, definitely bleeding. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. why are you humanizing someone who like? the 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 strongest narrative through line is to not humanize them and to make them feel increasingly unqualified to leave and increasingly alienated there's a lot of people who watch batman versus superman and kind of they i mean this happened all over they laugh at the scene where lois or lois lane says martha and batman's like why did you say that name and that stops the fight uh and that's because they don't understand that Batman versus Superman is a perceived conflict in, in Batman's mind of human versus alien. Yes. And the fact that Superman has a mother that, you know, he wants to say like goodbye to humanizes him and Batman realizes, okay, he's more on my side than I thought. He's not an alien here to take over or judge us with impunity. He's also 
he, he has similar human traits mm-hmm. and all of that. It, it like, it, it's kind of unresolved in that film because it gets inter- interrupted by doomsday. The brilliance of Schneider's filmmaking is that it concludes in justice league. Batman says to Alfred, we need Superman. He's more human than I ever was. Yeah. And that's, that's like, he's learned his lesson from the previous movie and it, it ties into why they would need to bring him back. It ties into the conflict of the, the, the army that Batman's trying, the alliance that Batman's trying to forge is not working because Batman has become so dehumanized through his just endless fight against crime that the alien from another planet is more human than he is and could lead them. Yeah. I mean, I think that, I don't think that it's too far outside the realm of possibility to say that when we do end up getting a Snyder cut, the, the ultimate realization of that Snyder cut is to say, we do need God. We, we do need the, the, the son of Krypton to save us. And we can't do it alone because we can't do anything alone. Uh, There's a, there's an undergirding helplessness to Batman V Superman, which has its problems, but at least it's like, narratively of a whole and the problem with justice league is you have those scenes which do peek at the greater mystery of these movies but then they're like sandwiched between a weird reshoot write-ins of jokes yeah and just complete gutting of characters because like the we get the most this is a movie where we're supposed to be sort of meeting all of these people for the first time in a way that's why Diana, a Wonder Woman, has her scene with the, the British Museum. Sorry, the Paris Museum, but they're British terrorists. I was confused where I was. Um, like she gets her scene of kicking ass. We get introduced to the Flash. We're supposed to get introduced to Cyborg, but his character is the most gutted, like to the point where he's just a walking plot device with no actual character behind him. Oh, it's such a shame because you can tell that Ray Fisher's doing a really good job. Oh, man. Ray Fisher, for the few lines he has, I didn't count or anything, but for, the, for like the, the few moments he has on screen, he just pops in every single scene. Like he is definitely bringing it. The problem is there's nothing to attach to. He's, just, he's like he's struggling with one of the biggest changes of his life and none of it is happening on screen. Instead, he's just our connection to these mother boxes. Yeah, he he's just like uh, he's like the little Kylo Ren computer that tells him where the Mulligan is in uh, in Rise of Skywalker or whatever. Right, which is because every time he speaks, there's like such immense hatred and self loathing and confusion. He does a really good job. Yeah, he doesn't even think he's good enough to help the team. So like when he wants to meet with Wonder Woman, he's like, "I'm just gonna keep an eye on where cameras go dark, and I'll I'll be in touch, and that's all I want to do." And like she has to pull him out of that funk and say, like, you can do more, you can be better, you know, you just gotta start seeing the good in yourself. And then suddenly he's on board. Like that one conversation. I feel like there's gonna be more to it in the Snyder cut, but like I just feel like they kinda almost cut him out the movie, but couldn't because the plot wouldn't work. So they did the bare minimum to keep him in. Yeah, I there's so much that's that's frustrating with characterization <laughs> because I I don't know that I'm tipping my hand too early, but like even in the midst of this being like 
largely thrown together and a ton of reshoots and rewrites. Like you see that there's something happening with this movie that I don't know if it's good, but it's actually really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Speak, speak more. Cause I think I know where you're going. Like when you see glimpses of the actual movie that that's underlying these recut, it's almost like you're getting a, a preview of this termination of what Zack Snyder started. Well, he directed man of steel, right? Yeah. Yeah, he did. So it's, it's, it's kind of the termination of what he started in man of steel and then Batman V Superman. And you start to see this portrayal of superheroes that you're never going to see in a Marvel movie, because when you're in charge of the Marvel cinematic universe and your name's Kevin Feige, uh, and like written into your design document is make superheroes human. Uh, the worst decision that people making DC movies did was they decided to copy Marvel when that is not what they should be doing because the DC comics themselves deal more with gods and demons than the Marvel comics do. They deal right. with like absolutes and concepts. And the idea that you're making a movie about superheroes where the superheroes are immeasurably distant alien figures who rule over mankind you see little tiny pieces of that in justice league and it just really makes you want to see the movie it was supposed to be absolutely i I mean and and, you know the choice of steppenwolf as your main bad guy and his ties to apocalypse and the new gods like that's a perfect foil for the gods that we're seeing literally being formed on earth like the, the the they're not superhero movies. These Schneider films. They're they're religious affairs. They're they're deity introspections. He's he's wondering what it would be like if gods walked among us. Yeah, I mean it. Uh, it, it all goes back to uh, so Zack Snyder. We have a complicated history of describing him on this podcast, but I think we've both actually significantly warmed to him in the last few months. Would you agree? I just like making fun of him, but I've always enjoyed his films. I think that the thing about Zack Snyder is that he gets it. He he gets what he likes. And I feel like... so. Everyone knows that, like, if you read through Watchmen, the end of chapters of Watchmen have, like, newspaper clippings, interviews, errata, right? Right. And one of those things is when people are describing Dr. Manhattan, we know that Zack Snyder loves Watchmen. He made a whole movie about it called Watchmen. And, and use the <laughs> he used the actual graphic novel as storyboards for his movie. Yes. Uh, and I don't like the Watchmen movie, to be clear. I'm someone who really likes Watchmen and does not like that movie. I don't mind um, it. But more power to him. But however, there's a there's a line in I think the errata of the first chapter of Watchmen where they misconstrue a quote when talking about Dr. Manhattan. Mm. Uh, and and someone says, the Superman is real and he's American. And then right. people uh react to that very positively. And then the actual quote is God is real and he's American, which is a, a much more terrifying concept. Yeah, uh, the idea that like nationalism or human concerns could apply to a god in such a way, and I, I think that Zack Snyder like took that and ran with it. The idea that 
we could portray gods on screen. And what does it mean to have those gods interacting with a world if we don't have the easy out of saying, oh, they can laugh and joke and get hurt. They're just like us. Like, what if they were like irascible, like cruel people who had complexes that led them to kill or led them to vengeance or what would that mean? I mean, exactly. I mean, so, so many, so much of the theme of just Marvel stories is that these are normal people doing their best or they're superpowered people being the best they can be. And that's echoed a million times, like the Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse thing. Like you could wear the mask. Anyone can wear the mask. Just be the best person you can be and do good, trying to elevate everyone. But DC has always been more about these are unique individual people that you would not want to be. No one wants to be Batman. We look up to him because he's doing the best he can with the trauma that he's been carrying for, you know, eternity. But, you know, if we face facts, he needs very, very much the same mental help that his his uh his rogues gallery needs like he needs counseling you wouldn't want to be him at all yeah you you don't want even the most idealized version you don't want to be superman superman's life sucks he has a house that he built in antarctica to be alone (laughs) exactly I, i don't know it's 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 these little echoes that are present throughout the movie that even though I I think on a whole, I actually found the movie pretty palatable. It's seeing these, like these, these moments of this overarching idea that almost makes me feel like had this been the overriding artistic vision for the DC cinematic universe, the Dooku, uh, that we really would have had something. Right. I, I mean, this, the, the, the thing that pains me the most is that at the end of the day, the theatrical cut of Justice League is not a bad movie. It's just not as good as it could be. And if, 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 if more WB executives could have gotten behind Snyder and protected his vision, maybe given him a role as a Kevin Feige type, uh, we would have a very interesting take on superhero movies that we wouldn't otherwise have. Like if they were absolutely doubling down and continuing their theme of, of investigating gods through the guise of superheroes, I think we could get some really interesting stories. Uh, the problem is uh, they don't sell well. Yeah. I mean, it's tough to sell a bummer. I mean, from the, I think the intro uh, part of the intro to Justice League is a hundred percent Zack Snyder, the homeless person sitting on the street with a sign that okay, says "I, I tried." I, the the total nihilism. I, I wanted I to talk that about Zack Snyder all yeah, over. Absolutely, it. that opening montage. You know, it's echoes of Watchmen. Times that they they are changing. Uh, I'm wondering if the music choice is going to change for that montage. Um, but yet, tonally, that opening has nothing to do with the movie. Like it's supposed to show like the world affected by the death of Superman, but also weirdly echoes like things that we're going through today. Like, I don't think Superman dying dialed up racial tension, um, but I guess it didn't help. Yeah. I I wondered about that. Like, are we saying that racism happened because Superman died? (laughs) 
I don't know what the implication is, but the fact that they kept that montage untouched, maybe, maybe the song choice is different. I'd, I'd really don't see them like adding or subtracting anything from that. Um, just completely baffles me because it has nothing to do with the rest of the movie that the movie as it stands right now. I mean, it, it's, it's so, but you can't do the opening that they have showing Superman before he died and like, is that supposed to tug on our heartstrings or humanize him and then have the montage of this is the world without Superman? Like, you can't show us him and then say this is the world without him. Like, you put him in our minds and then you're showing him, showing us the world without him. Like, it, it doesn't gel together. And that's the first five minutes of the movie. <laughs> Yeah, it's very odd to have this, like, look back at Superman through this interview and then show us, like, I I like the idea of the movie starting, like, in a post-Superman world. I don't know. There's this whole, like, I forget who said this quote, but it's like, when men no longer have a god to fear, they transgress against his laws or something. Maybe the idea was in Zack Snyder's interpretation. Once again, we might see the Snyder cut and all of us are just totally deluded in in what his vision is. But maybe the idea is without the presence of Superman, humankind has like turned into its, its most divisive, awful version, which is sadly pretty accurate to where we are right now in 2021. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, we could be deluding ourselves and thinking that this, the Schneider cut is going to be Snyder. Fuck. The Snyder Cut is going to be better than it is. But I just, seeing this movie and seeing how they did certain things, I, can, I, can, I can't help but think that there's more of a, a guiding vision behind some of the, decision, the decisions that just aren't present in the movie. Like, I know for sure both The Flash and Cyborg are going to get fleshed out backstories that just add more to their character. And I know for sure, um, just like the final sequence, the final fight sequence is going to be completely different just because no of what sky. I... No red sky. Absolutely. And that's going to be the only change. No, but um, but I, I know there's going to be certain tonal differences that might add... But they might be tiny. They might be things like taking out where the Flash trips and lands on Wonder Woman um, because that was a Joss Whedon ad. You know, there's there's going to be little tiny tonal shifts throughout the movie that altogether just will shape it into a different thing altogether. I, I think I, I will take a moment to say I I don't think that I liked almost any of the the Joss Whedon dialogue ads, even though I'm pretty sure the whole like Aquaman lasso thing was a Joss Whedon ad. I don't know. That might be the one, the one thing I liked and maybe I don't want to interrupt, but maybe some of the, I don't know. I've got a theory. I'm going to let you talk now. Uh, we'll hear the theory afterwards. The only other thing that I'm pretty certain was a Joss Whedon ad that I thought was actually kind of badass and funny uh, is when uh, Batman crawls up the wall with the Nightcrawler and just starts wasting things with a machine gun and says, sorry, guys, I didn't bring a sword. I think that's actually okay. From a, I, I yeah. think that's pretty funny. Uh, that's pretty. Yeah, no, I, like I, I agree. I like that. I like Batman. Batman kicking ass and being a little quippy, I think is fine. Batman, Batman being quippy. Ki- 
He kicks so little ass in this movie. I know. It really sucks. I know. He, it really I, does. I like Batfleck. I like ba- big, thick, murderous Batman. I like Batman 2000 or whatever the name of that uh, comic was where Batman basically was a Vietnam War vet who weighed two million pounds and murdered people. <laughs> I like mean Batman. I, Batfleck, I think, completely works. Like, I really bought into what he, you know, what Snyder did with the character in Batman versus Superman. He's a Batman, tired, massive man. Batman kills people sometimes, guys. He does absolutely. Batman can kill people. People having the take of Batman never kills people have read very few <laughs> Batman comics. Yeah. Um, so here's my theory, and it, it involves completely J.K. Simmons, Commissioner Gordon. Uh, there are two instances where Commissioner Gordon has lines during a scene transition, and they're both jokes. I 100% think those are ADR. Okay, J.K. Simmons ADR'd in? I think he's ADR. All of his jokes are ADR'd in. Mm-hmm. Um... And they're very subtle jokes. It's like, oh, you know, oh, $100,000 of property damage. You, you sure haven't changed, have you, Batman? Mm. And there's another one that's like equally innocuous, but he is not on screen while he's saying it. And like his character is or a stand in and his character's clothes is, uh, but his mouth is not moving, you know, or they're not showing his face. So I think they gave Commissioner Gordon jokes and had J.K. Simmons in the VO booth adding those after the fact. That's my that's my big theory. <laughs> I mean, I, I think it would fit with generally what happens in the movie because it feels like a lot of the changes to the movie were just to file down the fangs of the pretty depressing, yeah. violent proceedings. Um, I, I have to... I promised Jamie I would talk about this. She watched one scene of this movie. And uh, she watched it without volume because uh, I watched the I watched the movie with earphones in because uh-huh. I I wanted to spare her. Um, but she watched the very end scene, like one of the end scenes of the movie. Uh, they pull the cubes apart, and Batman and Cyborg are thrown to the side uh, of this platform, and then it zooms in on Superman, and he says, "Never mind. I wish I was dead." It cuts to people laughing. Then the camera cuts to Cyborg, and Cyborg says, my toes hurt. I I can't even explain the physics of why my toes hurt, Uh, but they do. And then it cuts to Wonder Woman, who says, children, I work with children. And Jamie saw this with no volume and said, that looks like none of them were together. Those are all reshoots. And I was like, you know what? They all just said jokes. Yeah, I I think that is... Absolutely accurate. Uh, the, I th- the climax of the movie was, I, I believe, reshot. Oh, no doubt. Uh, there is actually a point, if you're watching the movie, uh, Cyborg starts doing a Cyborg thing to split the mother boxes. I, I don't, we don't have time to get into the mother box thing, whatever. I, I don't know, DC. Those ain't no Infinity Stones. Uh, <laughs> but when he's like splitting the boxes apart, there's a cut to like an altercation where cyborg is involved and he like lands next to steppenwolf and steppenwolf like 
tries to cut his head off and he rolls out of the way. And the next time you see Cyborg, he's like pulling the, the things apart. At, at no point was it explained like how he went from pulling the things apart to being in a fight to pulling the things apart again. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I mean, feel the, like the, the final the final confrontation was really horribly recut. Yeah. And, and taking away from this final, you know, culmination, um, precious, precious minutes of screen time uh, throughout the movie, you might have noticed there was this Russian family. Ah, uh, yes. The humanizing Russian family. 100% an add-on by Joss Whedon. Joss well, Whedon well, thought... <laughs> He thought we needed a through line through the final confrontation of the human side of this conflict. So he added a random Russian family that gets, I want to say, just as much screen time as the main conflict of the film. The mother boxes and all the unity and all that jazz, which was all but glossed over in favor of showing this Russian girl. Very adorable grabbing a can of bug spray uh yes very adorable you mean that scene where superman lifted up an apartment building full of people also by the way apparently the entire population uh, of this town in russia is one car with one family in it and one apartment building because those are the only people who end up getting saved Uh, it's one of those things where the like the the writers acknowledge and hand wave at the same time like we see the Russian family clamoring to get in their truck and people are running around them like in a panic. And then in future scenes, all of those other people, we never see them again. Yeah, I I thought the Russian family thing was a little bit silly, especially coming from Joss Whedon, uh, director and, I don't know, writer of Avengers Infinity. No. What's the second one? Age of Ultron. Age of Ultron. A, a movie which is very good at hand waving the eventual fate of uh, of Eastern Sokovia. European people. Yeah, uh, that very and much Sokovians. Very much does not care about the life of the Sokovians, and that it's up to future writers to talk about how many people surely, absolutely must have died uh, when the entire. Yeah. Uh, city or yeah. state of Sokovia was lifted into the air and then dropped. Uh, come on. And, and so this is funny to bring up. Age of Ultron features one of the most convoluted doomsday plots that is very uniquely comic book, but strangely not really MCU-ish, where he's uh, Ultron is going to elevate this whole country and slam it into the earth to destroy it. Or at least kill the population. Yeah. A very similarly convoluted device was used to revive Superman? (laughs) Oh, in this movie? Okay. So (laughs) I want to see, only having seen this once, if I can recreate for you uh, the plan to revive Superman by the coward, the Justice League. Yeah. Yeah. Superman's dead. He died uh, to Apocalypse? No. Doomsday. Doomsday. Not Darkseid or Apocalypse. Darkseid's DC. Apocalypse is maybe also DC. Is that the mutant? Uh, Yes, maybe. Yeah, he's Uh, Marvel. Superman dies in some way, is dead. I actually want to rewatch be Superman again. No, I mean, tell me. Um, Superman sacrifices himself by uh, pinning Doomsday in place and allowing Wonder Woman to throw... Uh, the uh, the kryptonite javelin threw Superman into Doomsday, killing okay. them both. 
Uh, classic Superman stuff. Uh, so Superman's dead. Their plan, don't know how much time has passed, is to dig up Superman, who, by the way, is just put in a plain grave plot and not well, like a mausoleum or anything. Again, to protect his identity, there's a Superman memorial oh, grave, yeah, but there's no body in it. As Clark Kent they buried him as Clark Kent. Next yeah, to his, okay. his father, uh, John Kent. Okay, so they they dig him up, and then their plan is to take him to the Bacta tank. Uh, the Bacta tank. <laughs> it's a it's 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 what stitched uh, Luke Skywalker's arm back together in Star Wars. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, or it's the I don't know the the liquid chain. There's a lot of liquid chambers in fiction that fix people, but they're going to take him to the Bacta tank. In a Kryptonian ship, which is in possession of the U.S. government. Star Ma- Labs, I think. Star Labs, Mother Box. And then they have to revive him using the power of a Mother Box, which has the power to create slash destroy a planet. So that's the only thing that has enough power to bring Superman back to life. By the way, I can't imagine this isn't going to be in the Snyder Cut, so this is an indictment of Zack Snyder, I guess. <laughs> because if there's another way Superman is brought back to life in the Snyder Cut, I'm going to eat my words. But <laughs> So the way they have to do it is they have to... The mother box <laughs> has to convey its power to Superman. By the way, the power to destroy slash create a world that's unclear... Yeah, <laughs> um, which is the only thing that can bring Superman back. Um, yeah. And they're going to do that by putting power through the mother box, just electricity, I guess. And then it will transfer through the power of electricity, its power into the back to tank and revive Superman. However, there is not enough power. So Barry Allen famous for his ability to generate lightning by being fast. What? Uh, got hit by lightning makes lightning just makes sense. Yeah, sure. He has to, they spend a lot of time talking about how he has to get enough runway to build up enough speed to create, electricity but now the rules have changed that he has to touch it exactly when it hits the water Mm -hmm. and it can't just be sitting in the water for some reason so that creates tension right and he does it on the first try yep so i don't really know Mm -hmm. why they spent all the time like building up the tension yeah and then superman is brought back to life yes you nailed it I I think Super from a writing st- I think from a writing standpoint they could probably stand to lose eighty percent of that. Yeah, I, at least I hope what is was going to happen. I think you're right. I think this is absolutely like Zack Schneider coming up with a way to bring back Superman. What if we watch the Snyder cut and they're like, let's just electrify the mother box, and they just do it? I I, I really hope they explain the power of the mother box because that was never clear i mean apparently cyborg was created using a mother box somehow what you Um, mean the two sentences where they say the mother box has the ability to reshape a planet the power to create a planet that's just what we need (laughs) apparently uh, batman uh 
Bruce Wayne has a line where apparently Superman's cells are perfect. <laughs> they're just lying dormant. <laughs> they're, yes. they're... <laughs> As we all know, when we die, our perfect cells just become imperfect. Uh, the 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 insane <laughs> the insane thing to me is everyone's like the power to create slash destroy a planet. That's just what we need. And then there's you know the, a series of medium close ups of people to indicate they're all thinking the same thing, which yeah. only really works in cinematography if the audience could be <laughs> believing yes. the same thing. And yes. then it cuts to Barry Allen. It's like to bring Superman back. To it's like, <laughs> when did anyone reach that conclusion? Yep, and they all treat him like the idiot for like that's what we were all thinking. But like, yeah, I do want to. I, I want to say, the Flash uses his super speed throughout the movie. There's this electrical effect. Like, I'll give you a specific scene. They go into the Bat Cave, and Barry Allen has the lines, "Whoa, it's like a cave." Uh, and then he uh, runs around and he comes back and he says, "Like a Bat Cave." Uh, uh, Anyway, hope that's gone. But he runs throughout that entire area and lightning is sparking off of him onto electronics and shit. And apparently is not having an effect at all. Yes. But in this one scene, it's going to have an effect. But then later when he's fighting, he's not using like electricity to affect things. He's just punching stuff. I don't get the rules for this electricity also, I want to state for the record that there's no electricity and canonically in his comic book powers. So this is going to be real interesting. I mean, the only electricity is that lightning hit his lab and splashed him with chemicals. Which The made chemicals him, are what made no, him fast. Yeah, so why is, why is lightning a thing? Um, I don't know. Maybe it'll be totally different because we do know in the Snyder Cut we, we get black suit Superman, which I'm actually quite excited for as a child of the 90s i thought black suit superman uh was very cool yeah we're gonna get black suit superman i hope we're gonna get a different scene between superman and lois like i don't think they're gonna be standing in a clearly cgi like (laughs) farm with a very 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 bad green screen yes like that green screen, uh, maybe it was just me and maybe I was just imagining it, but it looked like the green screen of a bad TV show. It felt like they were in purgatory. It felt like they were in What Dreams May Come or something. Yeah, it was like a Vanilla Sky kind of scenario where it's just like none of this looks real. Yeah, uh, that was very weird. Yeah. Very weird. Uh, we haven't even talked about the treatment of Superman and I feel like that would take an hour uh, the treatment of Superman being the the complicated character that he is, as set up by Zack Snyder by this movie, uh, I I barely even want to get into it. But Superman is a weird, like neutered figure in this movie who kind of just exists to be revived, be confused, and and then do Superman shit. So I, I think a lot of his part might have been cut as well, just because it's like, oh, it's Superman. He shows up and he saves the day. So that's all. And Superman is he's been the through line of this this little trilogy. So it would stand to reason that Snyder might have more to say through his character. I mean, if um, we make the argument that like all the Marvel movies through Avengers Endgame were actually movies about, they were Iron Man movies, like the. Well, I, it, it, yeah, Iron Man and Captain America for sure. 
yeah, like Iron Man is the through line through those movies. And I would say that, you know, starting with Man of Steel, it would lead that Superman is the through line through these movies. So for him to be, for him to have so little characterization in this movie is a crime. I I also want to add, whoever started the trope of like, when you die, you lose something. So if you bring them back, they're going to be different. Whoever started that trope. I don't even know how this became a common thing in culture because no one's literally come back. So it's not like it's scientific fact. I think you could resurrect somebody and something and they'll be okay. Look at fucking Dragon Ball Z. Yeah, Dragon Ball Z is like, yeah, cool. Let's just keep going. I, yeah. I did. I, I liked Confused Superman just because in in my mind, it's it's just Superman in some blue slacks. Uh, being kind of a neutral neutral shirt they put him in see i had this question they put him in the water in a full beautiful suit look like joseph a bank or whatever yeah you know they're you know the the kents aren't extremely well to do but they can put up for joseph a bank for their for their dead super son yeah. uh but when he exploded out of it, did he like take the tie and the blazer and the shirt off mid-flight? He, he exploded out, and what we didn't see is in a uh, super slow mo. He took the jacket off and folded it very nice, and took the tie off and tucked it into the pocket of the jacket, and then took the shirt off and folded it and put it inside of the jacket and put that on the ground, and then he crash landed in front of his own memorial. Yes, very, uh, very astute choice of place to land. I, I liked the confused Superman because it gave you a chance to see him as a non-communicative, like alien threatening thing. Yeah. Uh, which which is what we all fear, which is what Batman particularly fears that Superman could become. Which, uh, which is, I, yeah, which is why I think that that, scene, that that fight scene is definitely going to happen in yeah. some manner. Plus, like there was no weird lip, so you know it's in there. But I just thought that was interesting because since he's uh, since he's just fighting in slacks, I imagine someone in Metropolis would be like, "Is that Clark Kent, the reporter?" <laughs> so there's two. Pol- they show two policemen who I believe might be CGI'd in. I'm not entirely sure. Amazing that um, they show those two policemen there. <laughs> And like one of them grabs a radio and is like, what is he going to fucking say? Like uh, uh, a man who looks like Clark Kent, the reporter for the Daily Planet, just landed in front of the Superman Memorial, which is already broken for some reason. Yeah. Why were two parts of it already broken? Did they topple it when he died? Like (laughs) you can only have an erect statue if you're alive in in Metropolis. Something is missing there. I, I mean, okay, so let's let's for a second give the movie the benefit of the doubt and say that this was an artist rendering of the, of the fall of Superman. People, the public, were okay with this dis, disembodied head, this broken bodied like thing representing their great savior. That seems a little odd. Yeah, uh, that's that's fair. I... I don't know. There, there's just a lot missing, and I, I feel like for Superman to be kind of the marquee feature of this movie, there was just no no Superman happening. Yeah, uh, I, everything with def- Superman's characterization that I believe happened at the hands of coward Joss Whedon is so disappointing. The carrying the hotel building, 
out of Russia, the weird yeah. race and the post credit sequence. Are we going to talk about the post credit sequences? We, we could talk about the post credit sequences because the first one, absolutely weird lip is back. And that was added just as a weird nod to the, the canonical charitable races that the flash and Superman have put on before. Yeah, I, I'm not a DC guy, so I didn't know that existed, but sure. Yeah, and then the final scene, just the final post credit scene just makes me sad. Because uh, uh, um, Jesse Eisenberg's Joker is brought back, and they, we get uh, a Deathstroke. Um, old man Deathstroke, who is one of my favorite renditions of the character. And... Uh, Joss, Joss Whedon? No. Jesse Eisenberg's jo- Joker? No. God damn it. <laughs> yes, Joss Whedon's Joker. He is damaged. Jess- Jesse Eisenberg's Luke's- Luke Skywalker. <laughs> what the hell? Jesse Eisenberg's happening? Lex Luthor says maybe we should have a league of our own, alluding to maybe the next Justice League would be an Injustice League sequel. Um... But here's the thing. Here's the rub. Uh, even though the Schneider Snyder cut is coming out, WB executives are not confident in its future. And so they're not moving forward with any of that canon sort of universe. Um, so that just makes me sad. And I, I wonder if those two scenes are going to be anywhere in – because Zack Snyder does not like post credit scenes. So honestly, I, I think those two scenes are going to be gone. Yeah, it, it's entirely possible. I mean, I uh, Allison detests Jesse Eisenberg as Lex Luthor. Uh, like, does she uh, audibly groaned when he appeared? Yeah. Uh, which, whatever. Uh, I I totally understand not liking the look of bald Jesse Eisenberg and seeing him as a scary person. Uh, I don't know that that either of those will remain, especially considering. Uh, how we know the Snyder cut is going to end uh, with right. the song choice. And uh, I don't, and knowing that he has a distaste for post-credit sequences. Uh, I, I don't know. I, seeing this movie and seeing the echoes of the things that were in it, it's kind of exciting to me to imagine a future where justice league ended up being what it could have been. And then we get a Legion of doom and it's a whole thing, but I, I don't know. Regardless of how well the Snyder Cut does, I think the WB executives have pretty unequivocally said, like, this is where the line ends. There are no heirs to Zack Snyder's Justice League. Right, right. Which is to say, well, at least we'll finally get the final vision uh, with the re the, the original vision restored and, and see what just could have been. Like, this is a very rare opportunity in cinema history where we are getting equivocally the actual vision and the and the 100 no compromises made plan executed of a director for a major franchise that has a lot of interested parties yeah i mean it, it's kind of like an alternate universe marvel cinematic universe yeah, I could have said that better, but it's like seeing <laughs> it's like seeing an a, an aborted version of like a, a massive sweeping franchise. Also, quick aside, every time I see Deathstroke, I say, oh, it's Taskmaster. Wait, fuck. And every time I see Taskmaster, I'm like, oh, it's Death- ah, fuck. Uh, I always get those two characters confused. 
both of them fight with every part of the body. Uh, every time Jamie sees Deathstroke, she's like, oh, what's Deadshot doing here? And I'm like, oh, no, it's a different <laughs> oh, character no. with oh, a very no. similar name. <laughs> very similar name. Also kind of strangely similar aesthetic. I get it. Yeah. There's a um, lot of just men who are good at killing yeah, there's a lot of men with masks who were invented in the 70s and 80s who are like, yeah, but I'm a badass. <laughs> yep. Uh, they can't all be Cable. No one can be Cable. Only Cable can be Cable. Yeah, no one wants that glowing eye. Josh Brolin signed up. Hell yeah, I think Josh Brolin would make a great Cable. He did make a great Cable. Wait, What? Deadpool Where's 2, this baby. Deadpool 2, baby. I've never seen Deadpool 2. I've never Deadpool seen Deadpool 2. Baby. Deadpool 2, baby. I've never, 2. Seen, I've never Deadpool seen it. 2. Deadpool 2, baby. But Taskmaster features prominently in the Deadpool comics. He's Deadpool's friend. Yeah. Big, yeah. Because All they right. both don't get enough attention. So now is the time where I'm going to say I'm looking forward to seeing a version of Justice League with all the Joss Whedon ads. Such as the Superman scene at the very beginning of the movie, the extended rooftop robber scene with the Batman thing where he shoots a water tower and the water lands on him in a very cartoonish manner. That was so dumb. Yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing a scene where the Flash does not land in Wonder Woman's boobs uh, because Joss Whedon thought it would be funny. I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to seeing a movie where Cyborg actually has a character. I'm looking forward to this movie where there's no Russian family for a through line that is absolutely not needed. And last but not least, I'm looking forward to this movie without Joss Whedon completely changing the end of the Steppenwolf fight. Uh, Yes, I'm fascinated to see what that actual final confrontation looks like, because that's the thing that, that Zack Snyder has kind of been the most vocal about, is that tonally, uh, the, the final confrontation at the end of the movie will be very, very different. Yes. Oh, and then Ray Fisher has been pretty vocal about how much like how much darker and more fleshed out. I'm genuinely excited to watch the Snyder Cut now. I imagined that watching Justice League would actually temper my expectations, but I am at an all-time high for excitement for watching this. And he, here's why. And, and like I absolutely know why. This isn't even speculation. The bones of Justice League, the theatrical cut, are solid. They are full of calcium. They just lack all of the connective tissue to make the skeleton move. Like, it is actually, by itself, a decent enough movie. I can see why they went ahead and released it in theaters. It stands on its own. If I was an executive without any touch, without any connection to other human beings or comic books or anyone who has to work a minimum wage job, I would absolutely give the go-ahead to release this movie because it is serviceable. What gets me excited is it can be so much better. Yeah, I mean, I I, I think that now we're at a reasonable point of the podcast to say that I think I, on average, enjoyed the movie uh, and, and everything that it had to present. It's just that when there were obvious Joss Whedon inserts, I disliked it. Uh, considering that a large portion of the movie is those, and I still walked away from it kind of enjoying it and being intrigued by what it had to offer, I'm super excited to see what the Snyder Cut is. And it might be like a four-hour clusterfuck that's 
garbage and awful, but I'm so excited. I'm just what I'm really most excited about. I'm not hyped for the movie itself. I'm hyped for the chance to finally see the potential that I saw in the movie come to fruition. Yeah. It might not happen, but I'm excited that I have this opportunity. I mean, honestly, as we are now a year into being locked down as a people. Yeah. And yeah, I celebrated my quarantine anniversary just the other day. And I love movies. And for a year, nothing has been exciting about movies. Like, I, I don't know, Raya, whatever, these movies that are released on Disney Plus for $30, sure, whatever, Trolls World Tour. I don't think that anything has actually, like, excited me as a cultural event like the Snyder Cut is, because this, it's unheard of in cinema for this to happen, for someone to be forced through the circumstances of life to enter like the darkest period any of us can imagine to have to walk away from what is ostensibly at that point, your life's work and then get a second chance. And yes, a lot of people who are, who were participating in the hash snag, hash snag, hashtag Snyder cut campaign, toxic, awful people. There's a lot of bad parts of the thing that made this happen, but the thing separated from all of that is really genuinely culturally exciting. Yeah. I, I, not a lot of people get second chances uh, a lot of the times because they, they don't deserve them. Um, but the, the situation around Snyder and his cut is just so unique. It, it's so bizarrely, tragic and i mean i it, i would be hard pressed to point at many directors who make as much money as Zack snyder does off of his movies that are as interesting as Zack snyder is i really don't like watchman as a movie you can't deny that watchman is a striking interesting movie that knows exactly what it is. And the same could be said of 300 and the same could be said of Batman V Superman, Dawn of justice. And the same could be said of, I think he directed sucker punch. He did. All of his movies are definitely of a cohesive creative vision. And I don't love them all, but for someone with such strong convictions in what he's creating to be given a second chance, it's exciting. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, I just want to add, I found the two lines of Steppenwolves that I thought were pretty good. Oh, please. Um, So to set the scene, he's uh, interrogating all of these scientists from Star Labs and he picks someone up and he says, please, I have a family. And he says, why why does everyone keep telling me that? Oh, that is really good. And then, uh, of course, the Justice League arrives and... uh, he, he spots Diana and says, oh, an Amazonian. My axe is still slick with the blood of your sisters. Yikes. I Yikes, mean, Steppenwolf. Those are some really just good villain lines. Like, be, I mean, and they make absolute sense. He has no, like, he doesn't have a family. He doesn't know what family means to, like these people. He's been in exile for thousands of years. 
So it's, it's, I don't know. I just, the writing for Steppenwolf for that one scene was real solid. Everything else I can throw away. Yeah, who knows if it'll survive? I'm interested in our final analysis two weeks hence of what has actually. Hold on. When, what is two weeks from now? We might have to talk about something after the podcast is over. <laughs> That's fine. Uh, the funny thing is, for a very limited amount of people who wanted to watch Tom and Jerry on HBO Max, uh, I believe this was yesterday, they got to watch the Snyder Cut early. <laughs> Wait, what? Uh, this was a weird glitch on HBO Max. People who no. clicked, People who clicked on Tom and Jerry no we're we're blessed with the 4 hour <laughs> the 4 hour action I cut kind of justice me? Are it you has fucking <laughs> kidding me it leaks early it's been it, it, it has now been fixed by now it has been fixed so we have missed our window to see it early uh, but it, it it has spawned a lot of good jokes on twitter um but yes <laughs> bizarre is bizarre that why glitch. people had screenshots of martian manhunter saying he looked like shit <laughs> maybe maybe that's maybe so i i cannot say oh my god excited to see if martian manhunter shows up because he is canonically in the justice league but uh, uh i i cannot say for sure whether or not that's true or not but it's very funny i will add that yeah, I can't wait till we watch Justice League, the Snyder Cut, and get to watch Tom and Jerry. How funny would it be for us to title our supplemental reading Justice League, the Snyder Cut, and then we just review the Tom and Jerry movie? Wow, it sounds like you shouldn't discuss gold while we're recording. Comedy I would gold. never do. I'm too excited. I'm too excited I, for the Snyder Cut to play a joke on you all. Yeah, no, I, I we've been building up to this for a year. This is one of two tent poles of 2021 for zero credits. Yeah, it's the uh, culmi- this yeah this movie coming out is a culmination of me being too lazy to do research for the podcast sometimes and just googling Zack Snyder and reading the first headline as my my add on to the to the episode. And this is the culmination of me uh, being too tired to put a stop to that and then actually being inoculated to be interested in the Snyder Cut to the point where I read a pretty heartfelt article about it and now I'm pulling for it pretty significantly. I don't have a lot of uh, uh, sway with the people in my lives. Um but very frequently and very often, I find myself con- convincing others to rewatch Zack Snyder's Man of Steel, Batman vs. Superman, and Justice League, leading to the Snyder Cut. Um, because I really much believe in these films. They're very good. It's just when, when the court of public opinion forms uh, a joke and drags a whole series just through the mud based on that joke or based on that, that hot take. It's really hard for, for that thing to recover. So just because the Martha scene was just so laughable to some people, that movie is just marred. And just because lost people didn't understand the ending, that whole series is marred. I'm here as the advocate for those series to say they're actually really good. And I can explain why they're really good 
and I can make you want to watch them or rewatch them. That is my gift unto the world. And that is why this Justice League supplemental reading exists. I mean, I think that culturally, when society makes up its mind about something, it's very hard to change its mind. What's the thing that one of the Lost guys did after Lost, The Leftovers? People very much like that. I've never watched it. And it got canceled, I think. And a lot of people are like, no, you don't get it. The thing about The Leftovers is it's not about the mystery. It's about the people's relationships. I'm like, where the fuck were you people six years ago when you could have said the same thing about Lost, which is why Lost was such a good show? <laughs> Absolutely. It was about the characters, not the mystery. Wow, you get it, John. Who cares about it. the smoke monster? The smoke the monster <laughs> exists to drive the characters apart and together. It's not important. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh I think Sigh. I think that this for me has been a an eye-opening experience. I might actually go back and rewatch Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice. Yeah, I, I absolutely encourage people to because all of his movies, all of the movies in this series from Man of Steel to the Snyder Cut are absolutely connected and could be experienced as one long film event. Uh, I think we only have one long film event in our future, which is actually watching the Snyder cut. Uh, Yeah. So next week, hold on. What's our rating system again? (laughs) Oh shit. We have to rate it. Okay. So the hurricane heist did us dirty and that it made us, reevaluate our race system we are like it love it gotta have it that's the positive spectrum so think of that as like a greater than zero condition isn't it like a six point spectrum now yes uh so there's like it love it gotta have it imagine that as the greater than zero and then the less than zero not to be confused with the episodes we do sometimes when one of us (laughs) is traveling jesus christ Uh, the less than zero end of the spectrum is don't like it loathe it gotta have less of it all right all right so yeah just to be clear gotta have more of it means make more please gotta have less of it is take away what already exists all right so this this is gonna be pretty easy for me um in the context that we're getting another version of it i'm gonna say gotta have less of this uh because we're gonna get a different version and if that different version is somehow worse than this I will be surprised, and you will hear that surprise in the supplemental reading for that. Yes, I am. Uh, I actually have a similar to you. I have a cross rating in that it averages out to a zero, but I gotta have less of what I watched, but I gotta have more of Justice League. Right, right. I, I gotta have more of the concept which we're getting through the Snyder Cut. But I have got I gotta have less of the flash landing on Wonder Woman's whole body. Yeah, less ant- less less uh less Buffy the vampire shit. Yeah. Which is uh, let's face it, just vampire anime Hunter? bullshit. Yeah, it's just anime bullshit. She However, was a slayer. She was a slayer. Vampire Slayer, not Vampire Hunter. She, That's she Vampire was Hunter D, which is an anime. Now the issue is that we have actually uh I don't know how if you know how numbers work. Uh, but we've given it a negative three and a three, and it averages to a zero, and we have not named the zero on our scale yet. Oh, fuck. I am going to say that we call this, I don't, I neutral, I think, has a connotation. 
Uh, and I will call the rare case where this happens uh, true zero in that we okay. have no, no feelings. It is averaged out to no feeling whatsoever, not even a feeling of neutrality. A null and void. Yes, the null state. Welcome Though, to the null state. Technically, the null state doesn't, the null set doesn't even have zero. It's fine. True zero. True zero. And that, I feel, is in the true zero credits. Uh, branding, marketing, wheelhouse, what have you. True zero. It should have been there the whole time. It really should have been. I was trying to do a branding thing. I'm glad that it worked. That's pretty great. Um, and now I believe it's time for you to weigh in. Dear fans, you have seen this movie if you listen to this whole episode, so please give us your thoughts. Did you like this version of Justice League? And that you're completely, you know, props to you, because if you're listening to, to this and you liked it, you just listen to us drag it through the mud. So let us know your opinion. Send us your opinion at twitter.com. We are at ZCPCWHJ on Twitter.com. And I believe John knows what that stands for. Why did they bury the mother box of men like three feet deep? Like it, it flashes back to Lord of the Rings shit and they're like, it was hidden from people, but it's in a hole that's like three feet deep. We also watched a lot of Lord of the Rings movies about people trying to find this ring, but apparently it just stayed in a river for 200 years. So why don't you just put it in the river? <laughs> uh, and if you Why not, was if, the box only buried three feet deep? If you, like my good friend John here, have some strong feelings about a certain aspect of this movie and you want to send us a long email about it we wholeheartedly encourage it encourage you to do that all you have to do is send your email to email at zero credits.net and you know we'll wrestle with it we'll we'll tussle with it we will throw down with your words in a positive manner uh we are on spotify and you can find us any old way maybe searching zero credits maybe searching zero credits podcast doesn't matter we're on spotify we're on apple music no we're not Apple Podcast, uh, if you could leave a review and a star rating on Apple Podcasts, we would greatly appreciate it. And who knows? We might read your review live on air. Uh, could be a thing. I don't know. Could be a thing. Ooh. But the most important thing you could do is tell people to listen to us. All you got to do is say, hey, these Zero Credits guys – Sometimes they uh, they watch movies and they review them in a supplemental reading. Sometimes they just talk about the shit that's happening in Texas. Sometimes they actually talk about other places. Word of the mouth is one of the only ways we can survive. So if you could please tell a friend or tell an enemy or tell somebody you really just feel nothing about. If you nothing someone, tell them. And we will we would very much appreciate you for listening and all of the people you have told. We appreciate them. Thank you for listening. John's going to take us out. Yes, and please send emails uh, to the email address Henry just described because I just paid for hosting again. Make it worth my while, you pigs. And from everyone here at the Zero Credits New Closet, uh, we want to wish you a happy week.
Goodbye and thanks for listening. Goodbye and thank you. Oh my God. Thank you so much for listening to our fucking podcast. John, I, I don't know if I've shared this with you, but we're we're nearing 10,000 downloads. What? Yeah, we're at 9,875 downloads. What? So yeah. That's a, Jesus Christ. Thank you. Thank you, everyone, for listening to our dumb show yes, 9,875 times. Actually, genuinely thank you. Thank you for listening to our podcast. <laughs> thank you. Have you thank considered you. that I'm what's keeping this podcast back? No, it's me. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> Goodbye. Goodbye.